Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back to Inside Sources. I am not Boyd Matheson. I'm Greg Scordis, joined this afternoon by Taylor Morgan. Taylor, I'm going to ask you this, although I think I know the answer. Uh-oh, You've never right. run for political office before, right? I never You're have. You're too smart. I, I always ask my candidates that I consult in running for office, I ask them, are you sure you want to do this? I advise against getting into politics. <laughs> so I should have I should have consulted with you because I've run several times, as people know. I'm 0 for 3, so I'm, I'm out of the playoffs. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going nowhere. But everyone you seem to work with, you must have the, the golden touch or something because uh, you're, everyone you've worked with that I've heard about, has done really well well not everyone i appreciate that greg it's not exactly everyone but uh i look we need good people to run for office i i make light of the fact that running for politics is a very hard thing to do takes a lot of work it takes a lot of personal sacrifice it's not an easy thing to do it takes a lot of courage and a lot of commitment and again sacrifice but we need good people to get into politics so that we have quality representation. We need more people to run. And, you know, one thing that we've done historically in this country is people have gone to to events and spoken. They've gone door to door and spoken, handed out their flyers. We've kind of learned that that hasn't been the best strategy in the world. And um, there is a, a, a group that has gone around to some of the states, especially the swing states, and talked about democrats specifically how to get more voters out and they've got this thing where they they do this it's almost like a it's called paid relational organizing now that's Hmm. that's that's a big word for you taylor (laughs) paid relational organizing which is essentially paying people to go talk to their friends and family about politics instead of just going the door-to-door thing let's let's just just talk to your friends and family. I'm not sure exactly how it works, but it does work. I mean, this this group got uh, to the state of Georgia where the, where it was very close. And as you know, we they elected two senators from the Democratic Party by just a few votes. And this this idea seemed to have been able to swing a fair amount of Georgians. Okay, Greg. Um, we're filling in for Boyd Matheson today. So I am really going to try to do my best to be very respectful. My question is to Democrats who are now trying to employ this new strategy of talking to people on the campaign trail. What have they been doing before? Why is this new? Well, let's 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 bring in our next guest, Stephanie Pitcher, a longtime state representative from Utah who is now running for the Utah State Senate. Stephanie, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. 
So what has been the strategy of Democrats in Utah over the years? And uh, we know, Stephanie, that you, that Democrats are a huge minority in this state, uh, a super minority, really. But what has been their strategy? And do you, do you think there's any traction to be gained by what we're talking about here that some Dems have used in other states like Georgia? Oh, absolutely. I mean, our strategy has been evolving, right? I think during the past couple of years with COVID, that really did change the landscape of political organizing for all all candidates for office in Utah and probably across the country. We found ourselves not being to being able to engage with voters in, in face-to-face conversations or at the doorsteps and relying a little bit more on mailers and social media ads and sort of uh, avoiding the, the direct point of contact. Now that we're coming out of that a little bit, um, I think a lot of us are reshaping our focus and finding new ways to engage with voters one-on-one. And I think a lot of what you've described in terms of this national strategy is relevant for a lot of us here in Utah. It's a fascinating idea and approach. Yeah. uh, Stephanie, thank you for that insight. I, you know, my personal experience here, I've consulted uh, campaigns uh, up and down the ballot of legislative campaigns, uh, congressional races, both on in Utah on the Democratic side and on the Republican side. And in my experience, uh, Utah Democrats have to work a lot harder to in order to reach their voters. And in part, that is because, as Greg said, uh, Utah Democrats are a much smaller pool of voters. And because the yeah. state Democratic Party has an open primary process, they don't actually require voters to affiliate with the Democratic Party in order to be able to participate in Democratic primary elections. And so candidates in the Democratic Party have to work uh, a lot harder to go out and find their voters and also to find unaffiliated voters uh, who are likely uh, to participate in a Democratic primary. So at least in my experience, and and Stephanie, you can perhaps correct me on this, but in my experience, this has been a key strategy for Utah Democrats for a long time. You know, I think of Patrice Arendt. I think of Suzanne Harrison. I think of Karen Morgan uh, back in the day. Uh, These Democratic candidates that would literally go out and knock every single door in a legislative district, and they would win in fairly conservative, primarily Republican-controlled districts by identifying voters and making these kind of personal contacts. Oh, yeah. I think that's absolutely right. And I guess the other thing I would add to that is that Democrats, we also have to be very mindful of our messaging. And, you know, most of what we do at the legislature is not really partisan. There's not most of what we vote on, we agree on. But what the media usually picks up are the areas where there's a divide. And so as Democrats, I think it's particularly important that we're communicating our values in a way that doesn't come across as partisan and that allows individuals, when they are talking about politics with their family members and their friends, sort of under this relational uh, strategy approach that, that is being discussed, that it's not a partisan thing, that you can talk about politics without it being uncomfortable or divisive. And we need to do more of that. I appreciate that. Stephanie, I think it goes without saying that um, there is still a lot of face-to-face campaigning. There's still a lot of door-to-door campaigning. Um, There's still a lot of hit-the-streets type of stuff. I mean, what are you finding when you go to talk to groups, whether it's door-to-door or whether it's just speaking at a school or something? What are you you finding, at at least in Salt Lake County, is the message that people want to hear right now from from their politicians? And and I'm not going to just limit that to Democrats, but what what, what is going on right now in, in this state that's going to get people to come out and vote? 
Well, I think by and large, what I'm finding with people is that they're sick of the partisan divide. They really are. I think they've seen a lot of that going on in Washington and at the national level for the past four, eight years. And they're just tired of it. I think they want to feel like their politicians are doing something on their behalf and they're not up there just to posture or to gain cheap political points. And I think once you get on a doorstep or in a face-to-face, one-on-one conversation with people and you actually start talking about the issues, the local issues that impact the way that they live, the way that they raise their families, the way that they work and pay rent and, and uh, child care, then it gets a lot easier. And um, people just want to feel like their politicians are doing something from for them and not up there to, to play games. Okay, Stephanie, can I throw a curveball at you? She didn't have any choice. Go okay, ahead. here we go. That's right. I I have a conflict. Uh, perhaps I should disclose here. I, I have been involved with the Count My Vote initiative uh, that expanded Utah's uh, nomination process in, in all parties uh, so that voters could nominate candidates through signatures and not just delegates at convention. And I have been on the warpath over the last couple of weeks following what I have seen happen on the Republican side at county conventions. In the Republican uh, Party, our delegates are so wildly out of touch with Republican voters that I am now saying it's time to get rid of Utah's caucus convention path to the ballot altogether. Are Democratic delegates as out of touch with Democratic voters as Republican delegates? <laughs> That's a hard one for uh, her mean, to answer. <laughs> hey, you already, hey, Stephanie, I believe you already had convention, right? So we're talking to primary voters now, so you're yeah. safe. It's just, it's just Greg. Sure, no, I know. No, listen, I've heard from some of my Republican colleagues at the legislature about how their conventions went and, and uh, how that landed. And I do think the Democratic delegates are different. Um, I mean, it's really the game, the system at a convention, especially for a House race, the, the House seat that is currently open it's house 32 it's the seat has stepped down from to run for the senate that race was won at convinced by one vote and i think the pool of voters was maybe 55 and and i don't think that that seat was gained in any way but my point is that it's really easy to do so if you're organized and if you know enough people I mean, you really just need to get about 20 people in through caucus and then up to convention and so they're really i don't know that that's the best or most representative way yeah. to get our elected officials through and so i would say at least I don't know about doing away with the caucus system. I think there's a lot of value in having a, a path to the ballot by way of signatures. Well, thank you for answering my question very directly and honestly. Representative Stephanie Pitcher, candidate for the Utah State Senate. We appreciate you joining us uh, today on Inside Sources. Greg, do you own any shares of Twitter? I don't. I don't. Uh, uh, too bad for you because Elon Musk would want to buy them. We will get into that next, coming on, uh, coming up next on KSL Inside Sources. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. 
You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.